All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Today, it's kind of a special edition because we were I was just straight out pissed off after watching this year's Daytona 500. And my anger and emotion pretty much was felt via text message. So I asked Chris to join me <laughs> on this episode because I think we both have some bones to pick, as they would say. And hopefully we might have some reforms that might make this race better. I doubt it because it is the great American race. Other than Donald Trump leading the field, there is probably nothing else they can do, but I'm just kidding. There's a lot of things that could be said. Obviously, if you forgot where you are, Chris, I, obviously you've been around the block long enough joining me again. It, it was a, I, I do have to say, I appreciate the Daytona 500 for what it is, Chris, but I'm actually more excited about the fact that they gave all the competitors Sunday off at like a reasonable time. You know, they mean they can go across the street to Hooters and grab some food and go do other things because they knew that radar wasn't changing for 24 to 36 hours. It was <laughs> they they should have just said, "Hey, we're going to, we're going to we're going to do it on Monday regardless of what the weather looks like because it <laughs> that radar was bad." <laughs> yeah, I mean there was I mean, it seemed like from all intents and purposes, the rain basically started Saturday early afternoon and, you know, continued all the way through Sunday. And, you know, again, props to, you know, give props to NASCAR. You know, if you look at the clash and then you look at this event and even some of the other races like the Arca race and, and I was say, what time moved. is that the Arca race? Do you know what time it, that was? I think it was like 1030 at night on Friday, but after yeah, the truck they- series race. So, you know, give before we kind of get into the the meat and bones of of the of the 500, I think give props to NASCAR for at least now being in a better position to move events, to be willing to make things work as opposed to just, you know, I think in prior years, just waiting for it to rain and basically saying, all right, we're calling it. So, well, let let me ask you this. Does that have to do with a few other factors that are kind of outside their control, like the TV rights deal? Then also the ownership all having a everyone that owned a charter hiring a, a very high end class attorney <laughs> in the last to, to kind of get talking about their their revenue share like there is there was a lot of moving parts here this weekend that I I I kind of my ears perked up yeah I, no, can, I, I can tell you that that was a big news story that came across I think late in the week yeah, yeah and I think that'll be a you know I think probably more to more to unpack on that you know maybe down the down the road i know denny hamlin touched on a little bit on his podcast but i i think one of the you know just kind of going back to the to the whole schedule thing is you know i think you know nascar and and the tv partners now i believe are are, are working closer together here and you know obviously this being the last of the of the current television contract and i think as we look towards 2025 and and bringing new new partners and new networks in uh, which we've talked about before i think I think the networks are more apt right now to work, you know, and I, I this is the most overused word really in business and sports collaboratively with, with the, mm, with the, the work collaborative. The, uh, yes. mm. Yeah. With, with, with the organization. So, I mean, again, in the past where they have been able to move the clash up a day and get the race in and get everyone out of LA, who knows, you know, would they have been, yeah, just don't go up? ever to Los Angeles ever again. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do clash. I mean, would they be willing, you know, would they have been willing in the past to move, you know, other support series races around, you know, move the ARCA race up a day, you know, move the Xfinity race, which they were hoping to start before the Daytona 500 and then moving it after 
the 500. Dale Jr. talked about that today, man. That was he was on the plane going to Daytona when they postponed it. (laughs) So yeah, so So, I I mean, I I think again, you know, obviously want to move on to you know our our bigger topic, but I think you know for sure that you know NASCAR and 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 the TV partners are 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 working working well together to try and get these events in. I mean, obviously there there's there's certain aspects that they have to from a from a revenue standpoint, from a from a from a, a a buying standpoint, you know, in terms of commercials that they unfortunately probably are, you know, I would assume NASCAR is probably taking a hit on and probably and and so also the networks. But when it comes down to it, trying to get these events in, you know, in a timely fashion, I think is is you know well, and uh, is better. I'll say not to cut you off, man, but that was one of the bones to pick that I have with just the. Uh, I mean, we can get, I mean, I'll say this, the ARCA race going to a Friday night late from a person that's gone to the 500 that weekend, the truck race is definitely the show Friday night. It it is a fun time to, to watch the Xfinity is the Xfinity package. And that's, that's to be, I'm hoping they keep that package and don't change it because you actually see some skill when it comes to car, you know, racecraft and things like that the arca stuff i i am I'm, I'm interested to see i think do you know how many number of cars were in the arca field on daytona i mean i think it was i don't know if it was close to 40 to be honest with you i i, I didn't watch the arca race yeah you know, i know the only reason why i bring up the only reason why i bring it up is because i thought arca at one point arca was almost dying you know like it was the number the number of cars in the fields were you know between the east and the west was was kind of lower at one point it was in the 20s so I mean, the seat Daytona having that much of a turnout is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's concerned, you know, which we can get into, but you know, another discussion. But I mean, the, the you know the ARCA race there is considered a you know a national series event as opposed to the uh, the regional events, whether it be east or west. So yep. you know, obviously that kind of helps influence the larger car counts. But you know, I think those car counts will be small, smaller when they get to the ARCA East and ARCA West races later this year. Yeah, that's very true. I, I apologize for that. I totally forgot about that. But one one thing I will say to all the fans, it was awesome to see it on Fox, not Fox Sports 1, but on Fox. And it was on the Big Boy channel, the entire length and duration of this race, from the time it started to the time it finished, even with the red flag, the short red flag that it had and things. I think it had a very short period of, of red flagdom. I yeah, with, wrong, uh, right with ten laps to go. Yeah, had a yeah had a red flag situation. So it was. You would think usually at that red flag part, they're going, "Hey, we're going to go to Fox Sports One for the remaining part of this coverage." No, they they did. Uh, they kept it on the Big Boy Channel. But so, Christy, the reason why I, I I'm sorry to blow up your phone this week, this Monday evening, watching this race, but there was a few things that just blew my mind as a race fan that I just could not stand. And the first thing being, and this is the legitimate beef that I have with the coverage, was they had a point of emphasis, and we talked about this before we went on air, about the fuel saving thing, and they spent a long period of time. I mean, it 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 was in between. So everyone watching this race probably, Daytona historically, two and a half miles, usually go about 40 laps on a tank of fuel give or take, you know, there's, it's, it's changed over the years, but you know, the way this race is with stage breaks, things like that, the, these guys are trying to be strategic and strategies definitely, you know, usually part of the puzzle. 
stage points is a part of the puzzle too for for guys trying to get points for the for the end of the year things like that and if you watch the coverage they're literally showing the telemetry of every single car in the top 10 chris and i was like going you don't think any of these other teams are watching this same crap and going hey this guy is only doing 40 percent. drop it back a little bit these guys were literally watching each other's telemetry on live national television going, well, he's only going 40%. Well, I'm going 50. I'm not going to, maybe I'll drop myself down to 40%. And it's like, it takes the strategy part when you put the telemetry live on TV. And I understand that it's not hidden like Intel, you know, it's not like CIA information, Chris, but like there's a certain level of information that doesn't need to be, you don't have to show every same damn car. You know, I, I think, you know, the top 10 guys, you know, you don't have to do it for that many laps, dude. They did it for like 15, almost 10, I think it was 12 laps. It was in between two two pit stops. Let, let me kind of rebut me a little bit here and kind of yeah. see what your thoughts are. So I, I think, you know, and I, and again, I, I did not see every single moment of the race, but I did notice obviously during that point in time of the race that they, you know, that the fuel save was big. And, and one of the, one of the reasons why, and again, this is just my perspective on it. You know, I'm not an obstinate engineer was you know with the way the stage breaks are put in the race because they're at kind of an oblong point in each of the stages because and again i'm not an engineer or, or do fuel mileage calculations but but basically you're kind of in a, in a bind of you cannot make it your goal you, you basically work there and denny hamlin actually did a really good job talking about on his on actions detrimental so basically you 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 run the stages essentially you're trying to flip the field it's very similar to the road courses when with the with the stage breaks in the road courses when there be a lap or a lap you know a lap or two to go or maybe it's two before the two laps before they close the pits you'll see all the guys who are not going to race for stage points jump jump on the pit road and get their tires and fuel and service because at the break the cars that stay out will start behind them and then the hope is that you can flip it back the other way so you're seeing something very similar in in this type of racing now because because it's so hard to pass. I mean, and and with the way this package is, that now you're seeing guys flip the field. So when a guy is like 30% throttling it or 20% throttling it, what they're doing, they're saving so much fuel in that pack. The goal is to make when you do have to come in for your fuel stop because nobody can make it the full the full stage when you pit you. You can you have to take less fuel, so that means your stop is faster. In turn, you can flip the cars that were out further out front, pushing the air. You know, in, in during a uh, during the during the green flag pit stops itself. So a lot of it's being done strategically. And again, all the teams have this data, and also you know the engineers also as well. You know, they're running through simulation programs, so they they know hey, if you run a fifty-one second lap here, that that equates to X amount per gallon per mile. And then we only need this many seconds of fuel to make it to the end. So it's a lot of it is really already pre-calculated. So the stuff you're seeing on TV is really, you know, a lot of ways it's not fully accurate because I, I I don't know how accurate those sensors are that they use to measure throttle tracing and things like well, that. Well, that, 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 that's where, that's where I kind of got frustrated because I'm like going, okay, let's just say hypothetically that that is probably accurate to a certain extent right it's not 100 percent foul proof but at some point you're not going to tell me that the competitors 
are not watching that news, that coverage. Like, you know, that's where I, I understand, you know, they're in between. They're, they're in a stage. They're still within stage racing here. So they're not like it's not like 20 laps to go in the whole entire race. But if you're seeing that kind of telemetry of a difference, like a guy's only doing 20 percent and a guy's doing 50. It, it, it kind of I think it changed the entire dynamic of the race dramatically during that time because guys aren't going to they're not pushing. They weren't pushing up until they were told, OK, now we can go back to normal, you know, where you got enough fuel save and you're good to go. The reason why it's a bone to pick with me, Chris, is that last year, same package. OK, we've had this car for a couple of years. Why all of a sudden now is fuel save being brought up? That tells me that the the, the the TV guys in the booth didn't have any storylines to communicate to, which if they had some more on track time, a.k.a. practice, they would have some more storylines to talk about in the booth. To me, you're talking about fuel save, which has been going on since the dawning of time at Daytona. Yes, has it been to the to the extreme that it is now? No. But every year, every every plate restrict every you know restrictor plate race, there's a fuel save. There there really is. If it goes green for a long period of time, and it's not a wreck fest, I mean it's. Let me let me jump in real quick. So I, I think you know what the ch- the the challenges that that's happened now is because it's really a lot of it. This all stems back to the stage cautions. If this was a if this was a straight up traditional race where there were where. Okay, you award, if you still had stages, but but instead of throwing a caution, the race just continued and you, and you awarded points, we wouldn't have this issue. You know, we would we'd ultimately would not have this issue because you would just you would just base you would just base everything on fuel mileage. You know, so what did I what did on, I miss? What did I miss in the last ten years? They they may race Daytona with stage breaks the last I don't know. So what well, yes, was the stage break? So that's what I'm saying. Fa- like, what? Yeah, I mean, you got to factor in the car. I mean, the car, the, the car makes a difference, and the, the way the car races, you know, and the way again, probably getting, you know, again, not a not a not a technical person, you know, or, or for sure, but I think the car makes the car obviously makes a, a difference. But I think mixture of the car, I keep saying the car over and over again, mixture of the car as well as the as well as the, the the stages in and of itself, it's it's really just kind of a recipe, you know, a recipe. That this car is draggier. It's got a lot more drag in it. It's not as, you know, compared to the the Gen Six car, which was you know less had less less downforce. So you know when you when you when you have just a bigger vehicle moving through the air, you're getting you know that that hurts fuel that hurts fuel mileage and. True, you know, I, I don't disagree there. I, I yeah. just think that it to me it, fuel strategy at a plate track is always going to be there to, to what level that, you know, fuel strategy plays a part. Yeah, you're right. Yes. The new car is a little draggier and even Dale jr. For a guy that's one Daytona many times, he says, you know, it's a lot different. You know, you're right as well. When you say it's difficult to pass. So you're trying to do more emphasis on, and on strategy and and things like that to kind of help you out down the road. But Another another bone to pick, and not to get into the weeds of, uh, we're not going to go technical. With my bone here, this is, I, I know you didn't watch very much of it because you had your own things going on, but the TV, the TV stuff was, thank God the TV rights deal is up this year, 
We can get some better part. We might get some new partners into the sport. No, I mean, I mean Fox is coming back. Oh, I know Fox will come back, but damn, dude. Like, if you were watching the race, you're getting full-blown Wendy's ads, picture in picture. Yeah. I mean, it was to the point where like every commercial was in picture within picture. It was full blown. Like, it was come on now, man. Like yeah. at some point, at some point, you know, you got stage breaks, you got this, you got cautions. I understand you're gonna have to do some picture in picture commercials if you're gonna go that that route, dude. They even did something stupid as to, you know, crank it up for going to the pit road. Okay, like it, 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 Fox needs to get their head on straight. They just suck. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> when we look at the, I, I've read several comments roasting the Fox broadcast. I, I think people generally have been ve- the, the Fox broadcast over the last. Ever since you know, Jeff Gordon got out the booth, man, suck. I, I, even no, nah, I mean, even since that, <laughs> even before that, I think you know. Oh, if we yeah. want to talk, if we want to talk about, you know, if we if you go back and look at the original kind of NASCAR on Fox broadcast from you know 2001 to I'd say about 2004, I think that was kind of the peak and pinnacle of of the Fox broadcast team. You know, Mike Joy, Larry McReynolds, Daryl Waltrip, and all the folks there. I think the the, the broadcast itself, and I. I've again I've read people and I've also said as well it's the broadcast is tired it's a it's a tired broadcast I think you know like you know obviously huge respect to to Mike Joy and you know all he's done for the sport you know but Mike Joy is in his 70s you know and he's I mean still is a still is a really really good I mean one of the really one of the voices of 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 this generation of motorsports and probably goes down if not one of the most influential voices really in the last you know, 30 plus years in racing, but, you know, he's 74 years old, you know, Clint Boyer is kind of all over the place. He can get kind of annoying. He kind of reminds me of the guy who, you know, somebody who doesn't, you know, kind of just tries to wing it and, you know, gets sidetracked and and stuff that really kind of, kind of gets annoying. You know, Kevin Harvick is a nice addition to the booth. The fact he is the only, you know, current broadcaster in each of the two networks that has actually driven race the next gen car you know I, I think that just as a whole the fox broadcast is is tired it's you know the same and, and the same, really a lot of the people behind the scenes of, the, of that broadcast are the same folks who really have been with nascar and fox since its inception and so there's really been no evolution in the in in the broadcast of itself they use way right. too many these way too many close-up shots instead of panning out. It's always these really tight close-up shots. They show way too much of the crowd and kids, and it's kind of weird to be honest with you. It's just, it's just, it just needs a full. Well, on I mean, look, look, and I, I brought up, I brought up a very, very valid. Like I, I'm pretty sure you saw this roast on on X or on Twitter. Was they did a crank it up when these guys are coming to pit road, and I just laughed my ass off sitting there going. Well, someone mistimed that one, and I, I just just had to laugh because usually crank it up is when they're, you know, in the middle of a green flag run and they got plenty of time to talk about storylines in between guys after this and kind of they can go bounce around and nope, we're gonna bring crank it up right when they're coming to pit road and getting fuel. You know, it's like come yeah. on, man. One, and, and one it, of the it's one of those things. It just sucked. It just my one, one of the things I don't understand from in the last. I don't know how many years he's been out of the booth. I think it was honestly since Jeff Gordon. I think so. I think it's been since, since about 2015. One of the things I've just never understood about, about Fox and their decision with, with their booth has been why they don't have a crew chief in the booth. I mean, Larry McReynolds obviously is on the broadcast, but he's, 
he's based in the Charlotte off uh, the Charlotte studios when he does the race. And he's only as of, as of recently, he used to be in the booth. Yeah. I mean, for the first, for the first 16 years of NASCAR on Fox, he was in the booth there. I mean, again, like I said, Larry McReynolds or, you know, Mike Joy, Larry McReynolds and Daryl Waltrip were, were the trio for forever. And I, I don't understand why Fox doesn't have a crew chief full-time in the booth. You know, NBC, you know, they obviously have Steve Latar in, in, in addition to Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Rick Allen and, and Jeff Burton and Dale Jarrett and all the voices they have over there. But I, I don't understand from a technical uh, strategy standpoint, the Fox booth is missing having a person. It's like missing, a, I think it's all over the place. It, it is scatterbrained over there. If you ask me, like it, it's, and I, I don't hate one, you know, broadcast team over the other, but I will say NBC's broadcast team is in my opinion, more elite, not just on a name standpoint, which you just listed off probably honorably, like a lot of hall of famers in that, in that, that topic of conversations. And so it's unique in that situation where you have NBC that has Dale jr. Steve, which by the way, Steve Latart, he's not always on the same side as Dale jr. On, on decisions. They've they gone at it. They, they've had disagreements, not like, like heated ones, but they have disagreements about things. Dale Jarrett, you know, you have Kyle Petty, you have different voices of opinions. When you have the Fox coverage, it's kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to go with your, I'm going to go with your opinion. Okay. I'm going to go with yours. And it's like, there's no difference of conversation or, or what kind of, what kind of you want to bring to the table or any kind of investment. So that's where I think Fox, I, I understand they're going to probably have the Daytona 500 for years to come. I just think they need to get better at it. I mean, maybe give NBC a crack at it one of these years. Just uh, as a, I doubt Dale Jr. will probably want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think he'll mind either way. I, I think he's done, you know, he was down there anyway with his race team, obviously. But this is Speed Weeks, and and to me, in my opinion, Fox could have brought the the the, the heavy hitters and could have done a lot of different things. And I understand, yes, the changing of the day might have affected some of that, but the storylines they didn't re- they didn't talk about. Any of the driver moves in the offseason. Spire Motorsports, they didn't talk about him, even though Corey LaJoy was up in the top 10 for shit, excuse my language, probably about 30 to 45 laps in the, and towards the middle of the race. Had plenty of time to talk about that, you know, and, and didn't talk about anything really when it came to the developmental of the, the, new, the new packages with Toyota and, and Chevy changing the way those cars are actually being able to bump draft. Because if you watch that race, Chris, and and I know you're in the middle of it. Sometimes you're watching it. The Fords were just beating the shit out of everybody. It was literally a Ford fest in the front, and they moved their cars easily back and forth. Hell, you want to pull the ditch, pull the grenade, pull the pin, go back to the back. Cool, that's fine. I'll see you in about twenty laps. That's what that's a lot of them did. Some of them actually did it. Josh Berry, he was hauling ass too for being in. I know Josh Berry is in a Ford. I did not recognize him with that damn Sunny D car, though. I, that got me freaking confused. I thought that was old freaking Stenhouse for a minute. Make you laugh there, Chris. But at my last phone to pick, honestly, is I'm tired of reading on the, on Twitter about getting rid of stage breaks. And that's my bone. And that's my last one. Because the stage breaks are there. They were generated to gather TV ratings. So then you go 
you get rid of them, and then you're back to the boring three-and-a-half-hour deal. They already changed the length of some of these races from 500 miles to 400 miles. They already changed certain things. They already done this. They already done that to keep their product relevant. You know, stage breaks are there. I don't think the issue at Daytona was the stage breaks. It was, to be honest with you, it was, this is probably was some of the best racing we saw in the last four or five years at Daytona in the middle of the race. I'm not, I'm talking about as a race fan. You're watching a lot of great things going on, on the track that weren't really talked about. Like you talk about coming to pit road, doing green flag stops, how much gas you're taking, all that stuff used to never get talked about. And now it is. But then you have guys coming to pit road. Obviously all the Fords will come to pit road, all the Chevys, all the Toyotas. Hell, even Ryan Blaney went a lap down during, I think it was stage one at one point. Then he won stage two. And 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 we'll get to the last part of this race that kind of, I think, put a sour taste in my mouth. Chris was, was the wreck. And I think, Chris, you probably watched plenty of replays of it. But Alex Bowman was almost, bear with me on this. You're going to hate when I say this. He was the cause for the, the wreck that, that caused the red flag. And he was the wreck causation. For the the one that ended the race, oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, and and yeah. I I don't I don't this I I don't mean him as a race I, I don't mean to hate on his race craft, but he bumped the shit out of somebody in the first wreck that basically tore the hope the whole damn field. For what reason was was that even necessary? And and I, Brad, watching up Brad bumping <laughs> and love bump drafting from Brad to know that. He he didn't have a chance in hell to save that car once it started. Once he turned, when he once he got pit maneuver, he had no chance in hell to save that car. Is it karma? <laughs> Who the hell knows? I, I don't know, man. Maybe that was karma for the dual race that he screwed up because that dual race and 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 I think Blaney talked about it briefly in a post race interview after the dual race. That sometimes you get tired of being on the bad end of re- on the receiving end of things, and Blaney was on the receiving end of that too. He was running the high line. He didn't. I mean, it, it was. If you watch, which by the way, Chris, did you see the replay of that wreck with Blaney's in car? Oh yeah, no, it's, it looked it's, like it's, he hit it. It looked it's like vicious. He, it, it's vicious, but it also looked like he broke his hand. He looked he like yeah. he banged his head on the steering wheel or did something because he he literally lifted up his I think it was his right hand, and then that's when he he took his left and put it to his chest. But that wasn't a very fun thing to watch, man. I have to. Those are not cushiony yeah, dude, you know kind of quite i mean I, again it's probably top for another conversation but yeah. you know it's even kind of questionable why they show those onboard cameras i rather would i rather personally as a as a as a race fan for a long my, most of my life there are some wrecks I, I just don't i mean i see the outside yeah. of the car you know i don't want to exactly. see ryan i don't want to see ryan newman flip 17 times inside of his car that's yep. not fair to him that's not fair to his family like there's there's a lot of these guys that go through this Everybody goes through different. If you, that's one thing I did learn about watching this in car footage, was everybody when they're going through a wreck, they're in car. Every single driver looks different. When some guys put their hands to their chest, some guys you know do different things. Yep. Some guys just hold on for dear life. Some guys yep. hold on to the wheel. It is a different. It is a different thing as a race fan to watch that. And I feel bad because that. I mean. I know what I just went out there and said. I said Alex Bowman caused two wrecks because he did. He bumped the bump. He bumped in the turn. 
He broke some of the most cardinal rules that you learn, and you hear some of these guys that are really great plate plate restrictor plate racers. You don't push the pusher, you don't bump in a turn, and he got he was he was pushing the pusher. He was pushing Brad as loud. Like no offense to, to Brad, Brad is by far one of the best at, at plate tracks for doing the the pushing. But he was the pusher. Like you don't push the pusher, and yeah, it got turned and. They also were trying to hang him out to dry at one point. So it was just a lot of a lot of that stuff goes on in that race that you go, did Bowman have to? I, I get it. They were coming to the white flag. I mean, would you make that? I mean, it, it, it's kind of a race craft move there, Chris. I don't know. I just think it was too aggressive at that point because you had two and a half miles to go. You yeah. could have waited. You know, you could have lined it up. And that's one thing I, I think in years past. Some of these things are not to say it's choreographed or rigged, but it is it is well choreographed on who's lined up with who at the very end of this race. So I just glad you. I, I mean, for you, would you what would you what would you take away? What are your big takeaways from this race? I mean, anything that you would change going forward on the the five hundred besides the TV coverage being terrible? Yeah, I mean, again, this is kind of the product of you know this kind of product of this racing. You know, is is. Unfortunately, you know, we wreck a lot of very expensive race cars and tear up a lot of stuff. And, you know, it's honestly, it's just kind of the, you know, just a product of this racing, as we'd say, you know, I, I hate, I hate seeing so many cars get tore up and, you know, uh, not just one. I mean, hell, the guys got wrecked out in the duels too. Yeah. So <laughs> it's unfortunately, it's a product of this racing and you kind of expect it at this point. You hope that, you know, sometimes races are clean, but you know that oftentimes they they aren't so yeah i mean it's just again i don't know what you really say and then this is just this is just how the how the cookie crumbles with this deal and we're not getting any better we're not getting any better this week coming around the corner we got atlanta which yep worst decision ever was to repave that track god help us yeah or not so much repave i mean the track the track was coming apart but i think you know more so from the perspective of reprofiling the track to what it is now i think a repave was Unfortunately, repave was needed, but I think if they could have just went with a, you know, just put a, you know, put a fresh, fresh layer of pavement on, on the original, on the original track and go from there. But obviously, you know, they had, had better, they had their, their own personal opinions in mind. So, but mm-hmm. definitely a good conversation to have tonight. Yeah. I was going to say, I appreciate you, Chris, joining me. I know we were sort of soapbox derby here, but we have our fun. Appreciate everybody, you know, listening in, joining us, having this conversation. Hope everyone enjoys the year. I think NASCAR does have a really exciting year coming around the corner. A lot of key storylines that weren't really discussed, I think, is the the parody as well with some of these with Spire Motorsports, Josh Berry, which, you know, he was doing pretty good there for a minute, Chris. I know I picked him and, you know, he was doing pretty good there for first time in that car and, and doing his thing. And uh, Oh, yeah. It's just a lot of a lot of racing to go in the year too. I mean, I feel for these guys. You know, listen, it, William Byron. Did he? What's what's not take away anything from his his feet here? But he he did win. It's been a long drought at Hendrick Motorsports for the Daytona 500. As a as a former, you know, I would say not former, but as a Jeff Gordon fan, most of my entire life, to see him in victory lane with that car as a vice chairman of the organization, it's kind of a cerebral, a surreal thing. If you, if you, that man, that is the old man leading the, the, leading the way there. So it's cool to see him do it. 
I know, I know it's the same. You guys, you know, and Penske, I, I just hate it for the fact that all the cars got tore up. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a, as a truck driver, there is nothing worse than driving a, a whole hauler back for the direct race cars. I mean, it's just, then you got to turn that thing back around and go to Atlanta, you know? But, oh, yeah. But, all righty, man. I appreciate you joining me. You know, get go back to sleep, <laughs> do something, <laughs> eat dinner, have all that fun. Sounds good, man. Good, good chat this week. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. All right, we're done. We're cool. <laughs>